Hey, would you give it up for our worship team this morning? Our melee team. What a, what a joy. I know we are county fair and we got weddings going on this weekend, but God is still here with us, right? Uh, theology teaches us, correct theology teaches us that God who lives in us is present through us. So what a joy to see our praise team uh, join us in worship. I wanted to talk about this morning the history of athletes and their names on their jerseys. Did you know it wasn't until the 1960s that we begin to see athletes having their names on the back of their jersey. In fact, I have a picture of the, on the screen for you, some of the famous guys that you may know. And it was through the Chicago White Sox, all right, that, that started off this trend, right? And we know throughout the years it just got chaos. Even like uh, Kyle Marcus preached about Ocho Cinco, o Ocho Cinco, whatever his name, Chad Johnson, right? Uh, and and we, there's a couple things that happens when they started to do this. They started to brand the individual, his family, and they, they began to brand the organization. So they made millions of dollars, trillions and billions, billions and trillions of dollars off of this new strategy. It, it's still considered new in our context and culture. What we also know is that we know these names also based on their lifestyle. Some of them have given gr great things to the community and to society and to global issues. But also we have seen that some of these athletes, professional athletes, have missed the standard, right, of being influential. Well, like, like when you think, Hines, listen to me, okay? Okay, you guys up. I pull All right. When you think about O.J. Simpson, right? Before 19 whatever, right? 1990s, right? You think of number 32 for the Buffalo Bills, right? Who also played for USC, right? You think of the Hall of Famer, right? But when you think of O.J. Simpson after 1990, you don't think much of Buffalo Bills, right? Well, what do you guys think about? It's okay. It's church. We can be transparent over here. What do you think about? Murder, right? And we could say a lot of those stories for athletes that they've missed the standard of, of being influential in their family name, in their organization name. So, so there's those things that have taken place, right? Well, I believe when it comes to Christianity... Listen to me, saints. When it comes to Christianity, one of the number one worst things we're seeing in our context today is a misrepresentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? Like they can have Bibles on a shelf. They can post Facebook posts and social media posts. They can say what they want. But in their life, they are a misrepresentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we, we kicked off a series, a really a book study a couple weeks ago, through the gospel of Mark. Right? We are on week four. And we're going to read this beautiful two verses of what the gospel is. And what the gospel is not. I know you may be saying, Kahu, we've already done this. Well, we can do it again. Can I get a witness, right? Right, I, I am a communication kind of guy, so it is never too much to over-communicate clarity. Come on, parents, can I get a witness, right? It's never too much to tell your kolohe child why they got to take out the opala. Can I get a witness, right? Better yet, it's never too much for tell that kids for brush their hound of teeth. Can I get a witness, right? 
And that bugger is Miko sometime in the morning, you know. And so there's a joy for us today. And that joy is the clarity of the gospel. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. I hope you're ready. No, for real. I hope you're ready. Brother, sister, wifey, husband, you better be ready. And on a serious note, listen to me. You best be ready. Because as the gospel and the Holy Spirit, as we learned last week, as the Holy Spirit, as he articulates correct theology this morning, you will be pricked. Your heart will be pricked. And there's only one way to respond. Lord, I need you. God, I need you. I don't need to just go through the motions of church today. That's easy. I seriously need you. You need Jesus this morning? If you do, would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? Turn to the gospel of Mark. And with all passion in your pu'uvai, if you can, if you can't, don't worry. All right? But in passion in your pu'uvai, in your na'au, let's read God's word the way he intended for us to read. In reverence, in respect, in honor. The Kaloi brother, once known as John Mark, writes the Gospel of Mark. And he says this in verse 14. Now, say that word with me. Now, like, like John Mark not kidding around, Hines. All right? It's about to drop some bombs right here, okay? He says, now, after John was what? Arrested. John who? John the Baptist, all right? That's why Mark in this text is not called John Mark. Too much Johns in the Bible. It's a, it's, a, it's a normal name like Smith in America, right? So he's known as Mark. Now, after John the Baptist, who we've learned about in the top eight verses of our chapter, Jesus came into where? Galilee. Help me out. Proclaiming the gospel of God. I want you to hear that term, right? Right, right. Mark does not say proclaiming the gospel of Jesus as we do today. Understand the systematic order of our text today, okay? Proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is what? Fulfilled. You know how we say it in Hawaiian? Pow! It's pawana, guys. Can I get a witness, right? The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. You ready for the clarity of the gospel? Here we go. This is where most people don't want to preach. Say that first word. Repent. And what? Believe in the gospel. A disposition. Right? Two different terms. It's not together. Right? Primarily, intentionally, it's separated. And it's systematic. It's in order. It's not believe, then repent. It's repent, then believe. There is no belief apart from repentance. So I'll read it straight through. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is all power and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and help me out. Believe in the gospel. Would you stretch your hands like this to the heavens? Say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I receive you today. Convict me 
of what's going on in my life. Help me to repent. Help me to believe. And help me to tell others the gospel that you've given me to share. God's Ohana says, Amen. You may be seated. Give the Lord a clap of praise this morning. Don't get so dry that you miss the witness, guys. Hello. All right. My message this morning is titled, is entitled Loud and Clear. Would you say that with me? Loud and clear. The misrepresentation in Christianity for the last 70 plus years has been how we understand the gospel, how we live out the gospel, and how we articulate the gospel. I want you to see that our text begins with a dark minor chord sound. When you think of a minor chord, you think of a dungy, a gladiator uh, theme music, right? That low, I want you to see the intensity of our text this morning. Right? We see Jesus being baptized. We see Jesus being tempted by the devil. And now we see Jesus beginning what theologians call his ministry. He was around 30 years old all right, in his humanity, but still 100% God. And we notice that the text starts off with some heaviness. It says right in the beginning that John was what? Arrested. There was no paina going on, guys, right? There was no first birthday celebration going on. There was no graduation party, no paina, right? No kanikapila going on right now at this moment. We see that John the Baptist was arrested. Think about the answer with the gospel, right? As we understand the gospel, which means the message of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, it doesn't sound good news right now for John. Doesn't sound really pretty, right? He is uh, arrested, and what, what we don't get in Mark is a detailed description of why he was arrested. Brother Mark is just, man, he's fast going. Because in this text, we see that people, he was writing to the Romans. The audience for Mark was the Gentile Romans. And it was already by nature, common sense, why John the Baptist would be arrested because they understood what happened to Christians in this time. For those of you who don't understand the context, you don't understand. So therefore, we got to go and get complimentary from another gospel to understand why John was arrested. And it's very clear. The gospel of Matthew. And Matthew, who was a tax collector, gave a, a greater description of why brother John the Baptist was arrested. It says in chapter 14 of the gospel of Matthew, starting in verse 1 to 5, it says, At that time, right? Herod the Tetris heard about the fame of who? Jesus. And he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and what? Bound him and what? Put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. You guys ever watch Madea movies and all that, right? It's about to get all Madea up in here, okay? It goes on, right? Watch this, right? Because John the Baptist had been saying to Herod, you guys ready? It is not lawful. Herod, 
king. Listen to me. This is locust eating brother, right? This is a, for his side, it's a heathen, right? A, a uncommoner, right? John the Baptist wearing camel skin, right? This hippie looking brother in this time, right? He's busting the bomb, dropping bombs, torpedoes on the king. Saying, brother man, read it all, look at this. It's not lawful <coughs> for you to have Herodias. Now, now, let's put Christianity on the side, right? Think about it. It is still not right for this brother to be having sexual relationship with his brother's wife. Can you get a witness? If you think that is right, something's wrong with you. You need medicine this morning, okay? No, for real. That is not right. He goes, in, well, and then what we would be, we'll be sinker sensitive, and we would say, well, that's not our kuleana. That's a lie from the devil. John explains a picture of this gospel. And why he was there? He says, it's not lawful for you, King Herod, King Herod, for you to be sleeping with Herodias. Verse 5. And though he wanted to put him to death, all right, the king, he feared the who? People. Because they held him to be a prophet. Right? Titles matter in context. Titles matter in culture. We respect people based on their title. I mean, the football boys still think my name is Kahu, right? So they call me Coach Kahu Zeke. That's too much titles, right? But they respect me. I can chew them out. I can yell at them. And they respect me because we have a relationship. But in this matter, there is no relationship between the King Herod and John the Baptist. So what do we know about the gospel of Jesus Christ? How did John the Baptist represent the gospel? Well, John the Baptist was a bold man. Look, look, his boldness got him into trouble. But he was standing firm on the gospel. Herod was having an immoral relationship with his brother's wife. This in the scriptures is called what? Sin. John even articulates that it is not lawful, meaning in that culture, in the Jewish culture, you're supposed to be killed for having an affair. The king himself wasn't obeying the laws of the land. Their laws was built on Jew, uh, Jewish laws based on God. God says you should not have sexual immorality of any kind. And off the bat, there, there we see the gospel shed some light on the issue. Look, let me tell you, everybody, when the gospel sheds light on your sin, this is the only way you can say to Jesus, you ready? Thank you. Thank you. That is your prescription for eternity. That is your prescription for, e for healing. Whenever the gospel sheds light on our failures, our sin, listen to me, it is for our good and God's glory. Listen to this reality truth. Being bold and calling out sin may not be the popular thing to do in this world, but it is the right thing to do. Do you think that I get brownie points when I call out our church members on their sin? Do you think it's fun calling people out on their junk? No. But that's what the text says. 
The scripture is more than just lyrics on a page. It's God's literary breath that says the gospel starts with our confrontation with sin. Every message should not lift us up in the beginning. It should lift us down. Why? Because we are sinners in need of salvation. Well, how do we know what we're going to be saved from if we don't know what is that sin issue? If we don't know what is sin. So the reality truth is for those who live out the gospel exegetically, uh, systematically, theologically, right? It's due to preaching boldness against sin. And, you know, there is the world statements of Christianity, right? right? Don't, don't, don't attack the, the, the sinner, attack the what? Sin. That is stupid. There is no separation. That's why they're sinning. Right? We attack that as a whole in grace, in love, in mercy. And I know for me, when I was not a believer, or even like today, when I get corrected, man, I get offended. How many of you catch feelings, huh? How many of you? Now, you just lied and you sinned against God, so raise your hand right now, okay? We all catch feelings. Why? Because we love ourselves. That's sin. We love ourselves so much that we don't love God. And that's the problem, that since the garden, sin has ravished this world. We don't have democratic issues, Republican issues. We have a sin issue. We don't have issues of drugs and habitual issues in the city. We have a sin issue. That sin is our relationship with God. We don't have a relationship with God. Therefore, we got to address sin as it is. It's not a fluffy bunny doll, whatever, Barbie doll, whatever it is, right? <laughs> but that's how we treat sin, right? I mean, one of the worst things that happens in our life is sports, right? If you want to see people sin, you don't need to go to a nightclub. Just come to a Hilo High football game this Friday night. Watch every parent that think their child is an NFL product, right? Watch, every, I mean, yesterday, Pilau. I mean, the parent screaming, snapping. Luckily, he lucky I was in old Zeke. Right? right? And the issue wasn't him cussing at coaches or at referees or at parents. The issue with him was he had a sin issue. He has no big perspective on a relationship with God. Therefore, his sin clouds his judgment. I know this is not normal for churches on Sunday mornings anymore, but you need hell, fire, and brimstone to understand the coolness of grace. If you don't understand your iniquities, your transgressions, you will never understand grace. God does not save you because he ultimately just loves you. God rescues you because he's God. That's what he does. He rescues sinners. And that's what we must be bold about. And listen to me. I mean, I grew up in this culture. We are few in words. Can I get a witness, Hawaiians, right? We call it, when you see your umbrella eye you up, you go and say, well, and you call them out, right? It's just natural. Even like today, I'm trying to coach my Kaimana. Kaimana just stares at everybody. 
And I'm trying to teach him culture and context, all right? The boy frost the care for a long time, okay? Get over it, right? We're trying to teach him manners and all that, right? Adopted him, but he eyed out everybody. I said, brother, that boy just lost a game, bro. You know, I am out, okay? Because he's going to retaliate, you know, whatever the case is. And that's the reality, right? And you know, I mean, I mean, I know. It was me when I was growing up. When I see somebody, hold on, was, you guys know what I'm saying, right? When I see somebody look at me in the wrong way, I would walk up to him and say, what's up, brother? You hear one blankety blank blank problem with me, brother? I would go right now, Hawaiian. Come on. Right, right? My legs are chirping, you know? My short, my chest is out. Come on, Hawaiian. What? What, bro? Come on, right, right? We act tough, right? But the real toughness is not how we retaliate in situations. Like the real toughness is in truth. More Hawaiians need to be more articulated these days. You can't even say the F word properly. Right? There's an er in it, not an ah. Right? I mean, I mean, I mean, I know, and look, look, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to belittle you. We laugh because of sin. And we give fruit to that. And so, so what I want you to see is, I want you to see two understandings of God's story of the gospel in, in our text. Number one, we see John prepares the world for Jesus. Can I get a witness, right? John the Baptist prepares the world how to be bold about the gospel. But number two, you guys ready? Jesus prepares us for the world. Listen to me. This message is not about you being the hero. There's somebody already the hero. He's taking it. It's not replaceable. It's Jesus. Like, you're not David, right? You're not Gideon. You're not Daniel. You're not Boaz. You get scriptures mixed up. You're the people of Israel, depraved in your sin, needing Jesus. Gideon was a picture of Jesus. David was a picture of Jesus. Boaz, a picture of Jesus. But they weren't Jesus. They were just symbolic. This is correct theology. You're not the hero in the story. You don't get the praise for salvation. The only thing you bring to the table that is necessity for salvation is your sin. You need Jesus. You don't need a feel-good sermon, all right? You need an eternal life-exchanging sermon from the inside out. You need your heart to be ripped out and replaced in you a new heart. And it comes from the understanding and articulation of the gospel. So I want to share two things, and then we'll be palm. In our text, in our two short verses, we see, number one, Jesus begins his ministry where he lived life. On the count of three, I want you to say what road you live on. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. I heard all kinds of Allah place, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to say what community of Hilo you live in. One, two, three. Okay, I said, I kill God loud and proud. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
homestead all the way, right, 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 Pony, Pony Ever, sister, sister, sister house away, all right, yeah, sister community, why can't Uka, you not in Uka, you believe, Uka, Hawaiian, you know, don't mistake Ukus with Uka, okay, right. come on, bro, you guys live lower where I live, in the swamp, Hawaiian, be proud of the swamp, all right, and then, obviously, name the district you live in. One, two, three. Puna. Puna, too good. This matters with this text. Because if Jesus is the hero, we must identify how Jesus, the hero, shared the gospel. Jesus begins ministry where he lived life at. Look at the verse. The verse says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into where? Galilee. Right? He came into Galilee. That was, his, that was his hub. That was his hood. That is where things went on. Galilee was specific because Galilee, a lot of things took place in Galilee as we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This was a famous location because Galilee was a resource to all the major towns and village in Judea. This is where people did life together. And I want you to see how Jesus began his gospel ministry. Here's the biblical truth. For us to see gospel ministry be successful, we need to engage the city. Galilee is the city of where Christ began his ministry. And there's a challenge for some of us who has been a follower of Christ for some time now, and our gospel ministry may not look Christian when it first starts off. That's okay. It may not look like people meeting in a building on Sunday. That's okay, right? I want you to, I want you to see the, how we engage the cities of the earth at Ohana Church. It's, it's simple. The answer is this. We plant new churches in order, <laughs> in order to fulfill the Great Commission. We are a church plant who plants many churches. I see my auntie and uncle in this room. They were at my commissioning service, oh, shots, six years ago in Las Vegas. Like, like, and they're here this morning, right? And they see the fruit of, of, of what happens when we engage the city or cities of the earth by planting churches. Here's my dream. Here's our vision, our dream that we would plant more church plants out of this church. We have church planted. God would raise up men and women to plant churches all around the Big Island and throughout the world. Right now, currently, we have nine churches that we've started and we've engaged multiple cities with because of our philosophy and understanding of the Great Commission. But here's a wrong way of how, what, on how we've been planting churches in the last 70-plus years. Right there. We plant a church... We make, a, we make disciples, and we engage the what? The city. This is the wrong essence of planting churches. This is a, oh, as long as we get this building here, that's wrong already. I want you to see how Jesus, Jesus engages Galilee, right? He didn't get one building, okay? He, it was him by himself, bro. Okay, we see this beautiful picture of Jesus showing us the proper model of planting churches. Here's the correct way of church planting. You ready? It's the opposite. Help me out. One, two, three. We engage the city, we make disciples, and we plant churches. Why is churches on Sunday mornings empty today? 
Do you know in all of America, the attendance have gone down drastically in the last five, ten years. And it has gone down, listen to me, because a misrepresentation of the gospel. And the way we plant churches. We have to plant churches strategically. If Jesus did it this way, Hawaiians, stop doing it your way. If he modeled church planning for us, then why are we trying to plant churches when we don't even know anybody? You know church is plural, not singular. What does that mean? You need more than you. Why? Because it's a picture of the Trinity. God is not alone. He's existing in Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit. So that's why our churches are dead today. Because no more God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're just living life without breath. So we gotta, we got to be about planting churches. And not only that, but we got to encourage those churches to plant more churches. So you can identify if you have been in a struggling church, why they're struggling. Because of a misrepresentation of the gospel. Period. Right? Look at the text. Jesus did not have anyone with him. Right? Therefore, he went where people lived their life in Galilee. Right? Why? Well, here's the biblical truth. God desires to make himself known to sinners through his perfect son, Jesus. So Jesus is in Galilee, making it clear to the Galileans that God is here. It's me, Jesus, right? Well, what a, for them, what a punk move to say, right? This is what gets him in trouble. But he proves his credibility through signs and wonders and miracles that we will see in the, <coughs> in the weeks to come. This is what we call here at Awana Church our public domains or missional domains. Meaning that whatever community you just said or whatever town or district you said, this is where you live life on mission there. Like missions is not today. Like as our philosophy is not we're trying to be evangelistic primarily here. Our philosophy on Sunday morning is that we're focusing on discipleship, right? The real mission, the evangelism, what you do with what you hear today out there. Like this is called chores in our house, right? Got to take out the trash. Got to wash dishes. Got to make your beds, right? The simple things, right, that, that allows us to move our family and our progression forward. This is what we call chores here. The real harvest, the real game is out there, right? And the Bible says not to pray for the harvest because the harvest get plenty out there, bro. More than 95% that's not in the evangelical church this morning in Hilo. Plenty out there, right? He said pray for who? The laborers. Those that will be bold like John the Baptist. Those that will be, no matter if they don't get brownie points from people. Who cares? Right? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. If my brothers from Homestead would get saved, we would have a revival. Why? Because they're not scared of nobody. I promise you. You, you want to reach the people? You want to reach the city? Get those crazy Kolohe Pilau brothers and sisters that's out there. Why? Because when God changed them, no turning back, bro. 
No turning back. I know some of you are in this room. You understand that kind of context in the last night. So we live life on mission by the proclamation of the gospel through our missional domains. At the same time, we have to protect this gathering, the theological understanding of it, because Jesus didn't go into a church building per se, right? Listen to me. That doesn't mean you have to neglect the gathering of the saints. Understand the systematic order in the scripture, because a lot of people call themselves Christians, but they neglect the family that God died for, too. 